0: So do you remember as kids when you would play games and you would choose teams? My youngest who is in gym right now, they don't actually choose teams. They're assigned teams, which I think is a pretty interesting approach because then you don't have the opportunity to be the last one chosen. But back in the day when we would choose teams, there was always somebody who was the last one chosen. And depending on what the team was for, sometimes alone I was the last one chosen. But if we were playing baseball, that was never the case. I was never the last one chosen because I grew up in a family of baseball players and could play with most of the boys my age. However, there was one friend in our neighborhood who we affectionately named Chop Suey. And the reason that she had the nickname Chop Suey was you never knew where the baseball was going when she threw it. And so because of that, Chop Suey was generally one of the last ones to be chosen. Now, the reason that I tell you this story to start with is I want you to consider the question, who or what would you take into battle with you? If you were headed into hand-to-hand combat, who would you want to take with you? Who would you choose to be on your team? Now, I'm going to totally own that I would want to take my six older brothers and my older sister, because the reality is is they are powerhouses. And not only that, they're pretty dang smart. I mean, we've got a wrestling coach in there. That's to our advantage if we're going to be doing some hand-to-hand combat. My sister, when she hugs you, you know you've been hugged. So I can only imagine when she gets fired up what you would feel like when she was done with that. You don't want to make her mad. That's just the truth. And my other brothers are just big. And as big, I mean, like, big, like, muscular build. My one brother goes by the name Big Juan. So that right there should tell you that that's a big dude. But as I thought about this, there's another individual that for sure I would want. There's a gentleman in my ward who I absolutely adore, and he is a former Marine. And I'm here to tell you that if I were going into any kind of battle, I'd want to take him. Again, he is wise he is strategic, he is smart, he's also a pretty big dude. So what if we changed it to a war of words? If you were headed into a debate, would your lineup change? Would you choose different people? You see, If we were really to dig deep into the book of Revelation, we could potentially do 52 episodes just on this, because there are so many different areas of the book that we could dive deep into and get lost. Like, the truth is, there are about a bazillion rabbit holes that we could go down and really look at. So for today's episode, we're going to just take a look at a couple of chapters, and I know that might be a little bit sad, but we're not going to be able to get super deep and the time that we have allotted to us to, to talk. But that said, I want us to take a look at Revelation chapter 6. Because one of the things that we know in the book of Revelation is that it talks about the seven seals. And that the seals are a period of time, roughly a thousand years. And we get a breakdown of what those seals look like. in chapter 6, if you have your scriptures, I would totally encourage you to follow along because it's really easy to see the seals because they call it out. So let's start with chapter six, verse number one. We're going to use that JST to help us out. And it starts and it reads, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. So who has the ability to open this book and to open seals? The Savior. So I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, one of the four beasts, and I heard... As it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see, and I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. So we've got lots of battles going on. Seal ends because, verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, that's how you know. The seals ended because you're in the next one. When we opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come, see, and there went out another horse that was red, and the power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Verse five. And when he had opened the third seal, see, here you go, man. I heard the third beast come and see. And I beheld there was a black horse and he had sat on him a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou art not the oil, and the wine. And that's the end of the third seal. Why? Because, verse 7, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and I beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death and Hell followed him. That's, That's quite the writer. It was a Death and Hell word. Anyway, Death and hell fell on him and the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And guess what happens? You're filling it. Here we go. Verse nine. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. Okay. So fifth seal altered those that were slain from the word of God. Let's back this up fourth seal did you catch what that really was death hell follows with them the fourth part of the earth to be killed with the sword and then what do you have as we look at the fifth seal we get what the altar of the seals of them that were slain for the sword so we've got the reformation going on in the fifth seal right so before that we've got the dark ages death and hell death and hell sword famine right got the bronze era that the Renaissance is gonna come here in a second. Why? Because let's see, we've got the souls of them that were slain on the that were slain for the word of God, so we've got martyrs and for the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And the white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they would rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And what happens here in chapter six, we get the sixth seal. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs but she is shaken of a mighty wind, verse 14 JST, and the heavens opened as a scroll is open when it is rolled together and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. We're talking pangea effect here, people. See, the sixth seal is what opens up into the seventh seal. What's the seventh seal? The seventh seal is the millennium. So you and I, we're living in the sixth seal And if we think about that sixth seal, it's like, uh, as we're looking at the book, we're reading through the chapter, right? Because really, that's what it is. The book of life is comprised of chapters. Seven, if we want to get overly technical, our earth is comprised of seven chapters. We are in the sixth chapter. To be very candid, we're at the end, ending part of that sixth chapter. Well, how do we know? Well, I don't know if you've listened to a newscast near you, but I'm just going to leave it there. If you understand Doctrine and Covenants section 77, along with the book of Revelation, you can see very clearly, not to mention if you listen to words of living prophets to talk about in the coming days. One of my favorite quotes, right? Uh, President Nelson, as he talks about in the coming days, he will see manifestations of the Savior and his power and his glory and his majesty. Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountain. Why are they hiding themselves? Because it's crazy town. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? How does the sixth seal end? The sixth seal ends with the Savior coming triumphantly. And candidly, we know that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ. So if we are at the end of the sixth seal right now, right before the seventh, the page is like wanting to turn, right? We're getting, we're reading through then we have to ask the question, what do you and I need to do to be prepared? If we truly want to be prepared for the Savior's second coming, what is it that we really need? My favorite chapter in the entire book of Revelation, and I'm not even joking when I say this, my favorite chapter is Revelation chapter 12. I absolutely love this chapter. However, I absolutely do not love it how it's written in the just solid King James Version. I, for shizzle-dizzle, love it how it is written in the Joseph Smith Translation. So I'm in the back of my Bible and my Joseph Smith Translation because it is the entire chapter. And let's take a look at what he says we need to do, you and I, so that we might be prepared for the Savior's second coming. Verse number one, Revelation 12, JST. And there appeared a great sign in heaven, in the likeness of things on earth, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. So we see a woman crowned with twelve stars. Do we know what the woman is? Yes. I'm not going to tell you. Maybe you should write what you think it is on a piece of paper and see if you got it right. But we're going to find out here in a minute. Verse two, and the woman being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. So not only do we have a woman with a crown that has stars, 12, interesting number, right? But this woman is going to give birth and verse three tells us who she births. Is that is that even a word, who she births? I like it. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and his throne. So who is it? Well, the woman gives birth to the Savior. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, so then this woman is Mary. When did Mary wear a crown of 12 stars? Well, guess what? It's totally not Mary. So just hold that thought. The church is not Mary. But what the church brings forth is the Savior and his kingdom on earth. Verse 4. And there appeared another sign in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. I have to be honest. Every time I read that verse, I hear, I am the great stone dragon. Yeah, give me some mushu. Okay. And there appeared another sign in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew, now listen to this, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was delivered, ready to devour her child after it was born. So who is the great red dragon? Satan. What or who are the third part of the stars of heaven that did cast to the earth? Third host of heaven. So we're talking about the premortal life, right? So this dragon draws away a third of the host of heaven. So we've got Satan and a third host of our, our brothers and sisters who were. This is really important. When they were cast out of heaven, where were they cast? He did cast them to the earth. So they're here. Those spirits had to go somewhere. It was like, and be gone. And then they went to the outer nothingness. No, no, no. It was, and this is where you're going. So they're here on the earth. And then he says this, verse five, and the woman fled in the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a 1,203 score years. Sounds like the dark ages to me, doesn't it? She flees. So if the woman flees, but is taken care of, have you caught on who she is yet? I'm gonna let you keep thinking on it because it's gonna come. Verse six, suddenly, John the Revelator changes where he's going with this. Listen to this. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought against Michael. And Michael is who? Well, Michael is Adam. Right? We know that from Genesis, Moses, and Abraham. So Michael fights against Satan. So we have to go back to the question. If you were to go into hand-to-hand combat... Against a dragon. Satan, who would you want to bring? I'm still going to maintain. I want my retired Marine. And I would also like my siblings. Verse 7. And the dragon prevailed not against Michael, neither the child nor the woman, which was the church of God, who had been delivered of her pains and brought forth the kingdom of our God and his Christ. So in other words, what she gives birth to is the church gives birth to God's kingdom on earth, led by God's son, Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Neither was there place found in heaven for the great dragon who was cast out. I appreciate that God cast out the great dragon. It's like, peace out, get out. That old serpent called the devil and also called Satan, which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out unto the earth and his angels were cast out with him now did you hear a really important detail about satan on his capability which deceiveth the whole world i absolutely love that because whole is an entirety it, it, it doesn't have anything missing And the reason that I love that is, I don't want anybody listening to this podcast ever to feel like they're the only ones who messed up. Or, man, why didn't I see that coming? The reality is, is Satan, one, he's a jerk, but two, there isn't anybody on the earth that he hasn't deceived. According to that verse, he has deceived the entire earth, the whole earth. So all of us sometimes, somewhere, get tripped up by the great red, not stone, dragon. I love these next verses, though. Fasten your seatbelt, because it's about to get awesome. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation, and the strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, here's the kicker, verse 11. For they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their own lives, but kept the testimony even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and ye that dwell in them. So did you catch what it takes to beat the great red dragon? You and I need basically, I'm going to call it three ingredients. First ingredient, here we go. They have overcome him by the blood of the lamb. What's the blood of the lamb? The atonement of Jesus Christ. You and I, we need the atonement of Jesus Christ. If we really want to defeat Satan, the reality is, is we can't do it alone because he is that jerky older brother that knows how to push your buttons. Now, I'm not going to kid you, I have a, a brother that's just older than me, and by just, I mean it's like eight years, but still, and to this day, if he really wants to get the best of me, he knows exactly what to say, and exactly what to do to set me off. Out of all of my siblings, I'm probably the most competitive when it comes to him. Like, even in card games, I just want to beat him. I don't care who else wins, I just don't want him to win, right? And Satan, love him, not at all. He is that jerky older brother who he knows every single one of us and knows what buttons to push and how to really get us. So what do we need? Well, we need the oldest brother to come in and help us out. Which, that did happen to me on multiple occasions, being at the bottom of the six older brother's. Often another other bro- older brother, an older brother would come in above the older brother, right, to even the score. Or just to save the little sister. Occasionally that didn't happen. Occasionally they would all just do something really goofy. In fact, uh, one of the most goofy things that they did, I had three of them convince me that I wanted to play Crack the Egg on the trampoline. I don't know if how many of you have done this, but it's where you would sit crisscross applesauce. But to make sure that I didn't let go of my toes and break my crisscross, I wrapped my socks around my hands and they were on my feet still. And these three older brothers, teens and early twenties began jumping. I got catapulted out into the yard as I was catapulted out into the yard and flailing to try and get my hands and everything so I could kind of land. But because my hands were wrapped in my socks and I wasn't expecting to come off the trampoline, I was a cracked egg for sure as I landed just saw it boof, on the ground. Well, that happens, right? Older brothers, sometimes that happens. But I do love what they did immediately after as they came in, they tried to console me and then said, well, if you want to play with the big boys, you want to play with the big boys. Well, I want to be where the savior is with the biggest brother. So what do I need? I need his atonement. But then I've got to have something else. And by the word of their testimony, so because of the atonement, and then because of our what? Well, because of our testimonies. You see, one of the simplest things that we often forget is the power of two little words. And those two words are, I know. I know are two of the most powerful words, because if you are able to say, I know, as a person listening to you, I can't say, no, you don't. If it's something that you know, guess what? It's something that you know. It's yours. Whether you gained it experientially, you gained it via reading, you gained it secondhand. But when you say, I know, there's power. And what is that we need to know? We have to have the testimony, for we love not our own lives, but kept our testimony even unto death. Or in other words, your testimony or my testimony is everything when it comes to Satan. Testimony is everything. I read recently that one of the number one of the top three reasons why individuals are leaving the church are they no longer have a testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. And or they don't have a testimony of the Book of Mormon. There are a couple of things that I know. I know that my life is happier when I follow the counsel and the teachings of the Book of Mormon. I also know my life is better when I study the scriptures every day. I'm happier. I'm a better version of me. I know that. Why do I know that? Because I've done it and I've felt it. I can testify of that and it's your testimony individually that is everything. Verse 12. And after these things, I heard another voice saying, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, yea, and they who dwell upon the islands of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So Satan is here and he knows. There's not a lot of time. He also knows candidly that he is going to lose. His team loses. So if you're choosing it, could I invite you to choose the Savior's team, Team Jesus? Because the story tells us already, the scriptures have prophesied of it, Jesus' team wins. It's going to win. 13. For when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So what is Satan going to do? He's going to always persecute the church and per- persecute Righteousness. Therefore to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might flee into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent casteth out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away in the flood and the earth helpeth the woman and the earth openeth her mouth and swalloweth up the flood which the dragon casteth out of his mouth. 17. Therefore, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Friends, Satan is angry. He is anger. I would say personified, but he doesn't have a body. So like, is he, Ian, is he anger spiritualified? Because he's just a spirit? I don't know, but he is anger-personified. Why? Because of Christ's atonement. Because Christ atoned, he can't win. And we go back to what's the most powerful weapon of choice? It's your testimony. Your testimony is the most powerful tool that you have against Satan. Which brings me to a really important question, then. What are you doing to ensure that you are armed with the right weapons? Or do you go out into the battlefield in your pajamas? Because I think sometimes we do. I think sometimes I, I love to laugh with teens and ask them how many of them actually pray in the morning. And you would be surprised at how many don't. And then I ask the follow-up question, how many pray at night? And you'd be surprised at how many do pray at night. We're usually a little bit better at praying at night, I think. Right? And so we pray at night. And I love some of the things that we say in our prayers. Help us to make good decisions. How, how many decisions do you make when you go to sleep? That Usually that's the only decision I'm making. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sleep. I might choose like what uh, calm sounds I want to listen to while I go to sleep. Help us to be safe and that nothing will happen to us. How really... Can you imagine how different it would be if we took the word of Christ and we actually made it part of our morning routine and prayer was actually something that we said before we left? How to make good decisions today? And then when we prayed at night, we made an accounting. There were some of the decisions I made. These ones were good. These ones not so much. See, Alma teaches us this, and I absolutely love this, Alma chapter 31, verse 5, one of my favorite verses in the Book of Mormon. And now, as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just, yea, it had had more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them. Therefore, Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. Why is it that prophets of God continue to say, read and study the Book of Mormon every day? Well, the reason that they do is because the preaching of the word is more powerful than a sword. So how can you and I really become more powerful against the adversary? We have to understand where Satan gets his power. In Teachings of the Presidents of the Church, Joseph Smith edition in year 2007, He teaches us the following, and I absolutely love this. Our Heavenly Father ensures that we have moral agency, the ability to choose good or evil. He won't force us to do good, and the devil can't force us to do evil. So, when it comes to your thoughts, the devil has only as much influence as you're willing to give him. The prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, Satan cannot seduce us by his enticements unless we in our hearts consent and yield, close quote. He also said, quote, the devil has no power over us only as we permit him, close quote. So let's go back to the question. So where does Satan's power come from? Guess what? It comes from you. And it comes from me. It comes from the vocabulary that we use. It comes from the thoughts that we entertain. It comes from the websites that we visit. It comes from the music that we listen to and the the movies that we listen to. And it comes from the conversations and the jokes that we laugh at. It comes from political debates. It comes from anger. It comes from contention. And so we have to ask a really important question. Will you go and strengthen your testimony of Christ and his atonement? Will you pick up the most powerful weapon that you have? A testimony of Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice. And will you arm yourself with the word of God, a.k.a. the Book of Mormon, every single day? I know that as you do these two things, you will be able to defeat the great stone dragon and conquer Satan. Why? Well, because there's this really great scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, section 10, verse 5, Pray always that you may come off conquer, yea, that you may conquer Satan, and that you may escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. Just as we defeated him in the war in heaven, you and I can come off conquering if we align ourselves to the Lord's team. Go choose him. Go strengthen your testimony and arm yourself with the word of God. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We'd love it if you'd take time to leave us a review and also click follow. We would definitely love to hear from you and you can reach us by either emailing podcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at the go and do podcast. I'm going to own, it may take me a minute to get back to you on the email, but it's just because I can't get in. Anyway, would love to hear from you. The go and do podcast is created by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Kami Fisher. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that you have a good time. Don't be a good time. Let's go and do. We'll talk soon.